help of Hashem, we are learning Bavakama Daf Memches. We left off on Daf Memches Amadalev, 15 lines from the top of the Amid. In the beginning of the line, right after the two dots, says the Gemara, Hahi Itza, there was a woman, the also Lamefa Bahu Besa, that she wanted to bake in someone else's house. And she got permission to to bake in the other person's house. And also Barcham and came the goat, the Mare the Besa from the home from the homeowner, from the Balabas, and Achla Lelisha, and the goat ate up her dough. Chavil, the goat got ill, Umis, and the goat died. So says the Gemara, Chayva Rava, Lishalumei Demei Barcha. Rava obligated the woman who got permission to bake bread in the Balabas's house to pay for the loss of the goat. Asks the Gemara right away, Lema Pliga Adarav. Does it mean that Rava disagrees with Rav, the Amarav, as we learned Rav's opinion on Daf Memzayin Omid Beis? There we were speaking about a case, going back to the Mishnah, that a Bala Peres entered the house of the Balabas. There in the Mishnah it was without permission. And the Balabas's animal was damaged, the Mishnah says, by the Peres. And Rav clarified that the damage for which the Mishnah obligates the Baal HaPeres to pay to the Balabas is only if the animal slipped on the Peres of the Baal HaPeres. But if the Balabas' animal ate the Peres, then the Baal HaPeres, who entered without permission, can tell the Balabas, that's what we learned in Ahmed Bey's, who asked your animal to eat up my Peres. It's as if the animal damaged itself. So coming back over here, the Amarav Here you would say even more. She entered with permission. So of course, she should not be obligated to pay for the loss of the goat. The goat should not have eaten the dough. So does it mean that Rav disagrees with Rav? So Amri, they explained, how can you compare one case to the other? And ironically, it's going to be Mamash the opposite. That over there, as we just spoke out, in the case of the Baal HaPeteris, since the Baal HaPeteris entered Shuloi Berishus, for some reason, that's why when the animal of the Baal Abbas ate the Peteris, the Baal HaPeteris will be potter. Because it tells the Baal Abbas, you shouldn't have eaten my Peteris. Loi Kabil Alei Nitirusam. Since the person entered Shuloi Berishus, the person certainly did not accept responsibility, Achrayas, to guard the Balabas's animal. So huh, the person will be off the hook to pay. But over here, in the case of the woman, since she entered Berishus, in our case we say, Kabil Alei, that the woman obligated herself, Nitirusa, to guard and to make sure that the animals of the Balabas won't even eat her dough. Now, by the way, this seems to go mamish against what Rabbi himself said, also on Daf Mem Zayin Omid Beis, when the Gemara wanted to equate the Shitas Chachamim who hold that when a Balabas gives permission, the Chachamim hold that giving permission to enter equates is equal to the Balabas saying, I'm a Shoimer over your things. But Rava says, we don't say the opposite, that the one who requested permission to enter is undertaking any type of responsibility. Here we seem to be saying the opposite. Here we seem to be saying that a, the person who enters a home 
In this case, the woman who enters the Beikado, she is automatically accepting responsibility to guard the Balabas's things. The Gemara is going to address that in a moment. But here first, the Gemara is going to ask, Maishna, why is this different from the Braisa that we learned also on Mem Zayin Amit Beis, if a woman enters with permission to grind her grains, she ent- I'm sorry, she enters, if she enters a Balabas' house to grind, then the Braisa says, and the Balabas' animal eats up her grain. There the Braises says, Potter, the Balabas is Potter. However, still the Imuhuska. But if the Balabas' animal got damaged, and as we interpreted, there also damaged means it slipped. That's what we learned on Memzayin Amad Beis. Chayeves. Then the woman is Chayev. And the Braises also infers the Gemara. Tama Shalei why is she chayev? Because she entered Shulayv Lerishos, which would imply if she entered Lerishos, Potter. And Taka, why would she be Potter? I, if entering Lerishos automatically means she is taking responsibility to make sure nothing happens to the animals or to the things of the Balabas, she should be chayev as well. Elama, clearly, as we spoke out, that entering someone else's domain with permission does not equate that the one, the guest, is undertaking any type of responsibility. So why are we saying it over here? So Amri, they explained the following, that when a woman enters someone else's house, to grind her flour, to grind her grain into flour, and she gets permission, since it does not require any sort of privacy for her, what a woman needs to do to grind her kernels into flour does not demand of her to expose herself in any way. So therefore the Balabusk is allowed to stay on there. He didn't mean to leave. He gave her permission to be there. But he's also going to be there. The owner doesn't have to remove himself. And therefore, as we spoke out, the Balabusk remains responsible to watch over his things. The guest did never, never meant to take Achrayas to watch over the Balabas's animals. Aval, in our case, in the case of Rava, it's unique. Because since she got permission to bake, and the Kivan the Boya heats in the Yusa, since she needs to be in private, as Rashi speaks out, when a woman bakes, she exposes her forearms, she lifts up the ends of her garment that cover her arms, and the standard of Tzniyaz then obviously was very great. When a woman exposed her forearms, no one, no man was allowed to look at her. So when the Balabas gave her permission to bake dough, the Balabas understood that he won't be able to be in that room. Now if the Balabas has to remove himself, here we say that the woman who got permission understands that she needs to make sure that nothing happens to the animals of the Balabas because he's not even there to be able to watch over his own things. Let's read it inside. Keeping the boy eats neyusa, marvasa the chatzir, the owner of the chatzir, what we call the balabas, misalka nafshayu, has to remove himself. Ah, once the guest knows that the balabas needs to remove himself from that area, here we say that getting permission to enter does equate, I, the guest, will make sure that when I am alone in that environment, that I will watch over your things. 
And she should have made sure that the animal's goat doesn't eat her dough. She didn't fulfill what she undertook to fulfill. Here she's going to be chayef to pay, like Rav Paskind, for the loss of the goat. Gewaldik. Weiter. Quoting again from the Mishnah. As the Mishnah gave, according to the Chachamim, the way we are learning the Gemara, like Rava explained, the whole Rasha is the Chachamim, and then Rebbe just disagrees with the Chachamim. The Mishnah gave three cases where a person enters Shaloi Bereshus, the, the owner of the pots, then the owner of the Pedis, and the third example was the uh, owner of an ox, the Baal Hashoir. So says Rava. When the Balashoid entered someone else's domain without permission, and the and the Shoir went ahead and it dug out pits, ditches, or vaults. In other words, it made a hole in the ground. First of all, obviously, the Baal Hashoid who entered Shuloi Berishos has to pay for the damage that happened to the ground. However, says Rava, Ubal HaChatzer Chayev Beniske Habar. If afterwards the owner of the Chatzer declared that area ownerless, and that area now has a boyd, the boyd wasn't dug by the Baal HaChatzer. The boyd wasn't even dug with the animal of the balachatzer. The boyd was dug by someone else's animal. Here the din will be that if someone falls into that boyd, the balachatzer is going to be chayiv. Why? Because before he declared that area ownerless, he should have uh, fixed the boyd. He should have taken away the hazard. Now, one second, says the Gemara of Afalgav, even though we learned that when it says in the Pasik, ki yichra ish boyd, that if a man is going to dig a boyd, and the Torah uses the words man, from there we learn, that if my ox digs a hole in the Rishus Arabim, none of the Dine boyd applies. Why is Rav saying over here that even though an ox dug the pit, Dine boyd will apply to the Bala Chatzar? Answers the Gemara, Hacha over here, since the owner of the Chatzar had the opportunity and the time to fill up the hole, because the hole was in his Chatzar before he declared it ownerless. And he didn't fill it up. It's as if he himself dug the pit. In the case of the Pasik, is as we spoke out. That's only if my animal who's walking in the Rishus Arabim, digs a pit. There it dug the pit in a domain that doesn't belong to me. So, yeah, of course, in the ideal world, I should watch over that as well. But you can't compare one case to the other. There it was not in my domain. I'm not the Balabas to fill it or to dig it. Here, it happened in my domain. Now, the Chiddush of Rave is, is that the Bala Chatzah didn't do it. The Baal Hashoir, the Shoir the, the of the Baal Hashoir did it. And, the, and that ox shouldn't have been there. Doesn't matter. It shouldn't have been there. And he's chayv to pay for the damages of the Chatzar. But on the other hand, don't declare your yard ownerless if there's a hazard in it, if there's a hole in it. For that, the Baal Hashoir was chayv. The Amar Rava continues the Gemara, says Rava, Hichnis, Shoiroin, Lechatzar, Balabai, Shaloi, Bereshuz. Again, a Baal Hashoid enters the domain of a Baal without permission. The Hizik as Baal Habayis, 
and the ox does damage to the balabayas. Oi balabayas, who's akboi? Or let's use the words of active and passive. So if the ox actively hurt the balabas, or if the shoid actively hurt the balabas, or if the balabas tripped over the ox. In other words, the shoid didn't actively hurt the balabas, but there was a passive damage. He tripped over him. In both cases, chayef. Meaning, the Baal HaShoyed is Chayef, because he was there without Rishos. Ravatz, normally we interpret the word Ravatz as if he crouched, if he squatted, if he went down, and then damage happened, here Potter. And right away the Gemara is going to ask, let's read inside Rashi, Ravatz Potter, says Rashi, Kostalka Daita Chashto. The Havamina now is, that if the Baal, if the Shoyed, that was there, Shulay Rishos, Ravat squatted the shiver kalim and broke utensils. Oi, after the animal squatted, niskal boy balabas, the balabas tripped over the animal. Then the balashoid is spotted, and that doesn't make sense. So right away asks the Gemara and Rava, umishum the Ravat spotted. Who cares if he squatted? He was there, shalai b'rishus. Ahmad Papa clarifies Rav Papa, what did Rav mean when he said Ravat? It means that the ox didn't squat. That it's a, the word squatting is used because the shoir allowed to drop from it um, dung. In other words, dung left the ox. And then the nitanfu kale of Shabalabayas and utensils of the balabas became soiled. Here is where Rabba says the balashoid is potter. The question is why is he potter? So explains it Papa, because since the Havia Gilolim Boyd, once there is a hazard that's not actively moving, there's just dung sitting there. That is in the category of Boyd. And Taka the Boyd of the Bal Hashar. However, the rule is that if Kalim get ruined, get damaged in someone else's Boyd, the Bala Boyd is potter. So over here is Pater because of the exception of Kalim. Asks the Gemara Hanicha, going back to what we learned in Nafchavches, that's good according to Shmuel, that holds Kol Takola Boyhu, that any obstacle, whether it retains in your possession, whether it's not yours, is always going to be classified in Boyhu. The Gelalim are Boyhu. But according to Rav, that says that Adam that void is only something that is ownerless while it damage happened in it. And here, Luchura the Gelalim belong to the to the Shur, to the Balashur. And therefore they should still remain in the, cla- the category of Shoir. And if Shoir damages Kalim, the Balashir is Chayiv, Omri, so they answered to explain Rav's din, that's Tam Gilalim, that when dung leaves someone's animal, the bowel of the animal, by nature, declares it ownerless. And therefore, even according to Rav, if something is ownerless, it's in the category of Boyd. By Boyd, you have this exception, Right? Shor v'lei adam, chamor v'lei kelim. V'amar rava, says rava, another din, that nichnes l'chatsar balabai shalai b'rishus. Again, let's use the word, if there was a trespasser that entered the domain of a balabas without permission. Now we're speaking about people damaging people. V'hizik as balabayis, oi balabayis huzak boi, again, active and passive. Either he actively damaged the balabas, or if as he's just sitting there, the balabas trips over him, the din is chayiv, the trespasser is chayiv. Heziku bal if the balabais damages him, 
And again, here you have a Adam Hamazik, and normally the rule of Adam Hamazik is Adam Muad Lo'elam. Here, Rav is saying, no, 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 that there is a difference when you have, when you have two people, and one has rights to be in that environment, and one does not. So the fact that one has rights and the other doesn't, it affects the dinim of Nezakin. The Balabas who has the right to be there, even if he damages the person that trespassed, the Balabas is potter. It comes along Rav Papa and he, and he qualifies this din. That Loya Moran, Rava only said this din, only if the Balabas was unaware of his presence. That's important. But if the Balabas knew that someone trespassed into his house, if he ziko balabayas, if the balabas actively damaged him, then the balabas is chayiv. And why is that? Because the damaged party, the trespasser, tells the balabas, you have the right to evict me. And by the way, when he evicts him, he can evict him forcefully, but he can only use force to throw him out. But la azuke. But to actively damage me, another important detail that many speak out, that even in the case where he was aware that he was present, you know where the Papa says, that Rav will say, that the Balabas is chayiv, if he damages him actively. But if the Balabas is just sitting, and the trespasser trips over him, here also the Balabas is potter. So really we're learning... Two dinim over here. We are learning that there's a difference between active and passive damages by Adam Hamazik. And we are also learning that there is a difference when two people are in a place and they don't have the same rights to be there. One does and one does not. The one who has the rights will be less responsible. Even if we're going to limit it to the Rafapa's case. That if he's unaware of his presence and as he's walking, he walks into him. And again, normally, Adam Muat here he's potter. Says the Gemara, that Rav and Papa, they go according to their own opinion on both points that we mentioned. Again, that if they don't have the same rights, if one rights is superior, one rights is inferior, the one with superior rights will be less responsible. Another din that we understand is that there is a difference by Adam Hamazik between active and passive. To Papa, turning to the these are such fundamental dinim. that if two people are in a domain and they both have the same rights to be there, for example, Let's read, read Rashi, Tapara Amit, Kidlain Birishu Sarabim. The shoes doesn't mean that they own the domain. It means that they have equal rights to be there. Rishu Sarabim. Or Khatsara Shutvim. When they take a own a property in partnership. Or even when the property belongs to Aleph, but Aleph gave gave Bayes Rishus to be there. So they both have equal rights to be there. Oi in Rashi, Shinasamlay Balabayas Rishus Li Kanais. Back in the in the in the Gemara. On top of the line, Oy, or if they are both shaloi b'rishos, for example, Rashi says, if they're both running b'rishos arabim, and aside of running out of Shabbos, we don't have the permission to run in the b'rishos arabim. So they are both equally doing something that they could or cannot. Over there we say that he ziku if they did damage to each other actively, and they're both chayev. Husku, if they both passively did damage to each other, 
which would be, as we spoke out, one stumbled over the other, since they were both there with the equal rights, Shneim Peturim, so infers the Gemara that Tama the Shneim Bereshus or Shneim Shuloi Bereshus, since they were both equally allowed or not allowed to do what they were doing, is the din, as we spoke out, that there's a difference between active and passive, active nezek chayev, passive nezek pater, avol echad b'rishos ve'echad shuloi b'rishos, but if one had more rights than the other, like in the case of Rava, one person entered the other one's property without permission, there the din is that the one who has rishos is pater, even if he damaged the trespasser actively, as long as he didn't know that he was there. Yobaldik. However, the one who was there without permission, even if he damaged passively, there he's going to be chayiv. So Gavaldik, they go to their opinions, again, that you have both these differences. The, the lesser chiddish is the active and passive. That's explicit. But the greater chiddish is, that again, even though Adam muat la'aylam, we, we have to right away ask, did they both have the same rights to be there or not? And the moment they did not have the same rights, the one with superior rights will be less accountable. That he was unaware, even if he damaged him actively, you don't say you should have known that you're about to bump into someone. No, it's my property. That person is a trespasser. Active damage, when he has no awareness, will keep him completely off the hook. These dinam I used the whole time. All laws of liability is based on these Gemaras. Again, the Gemara quotes from the Mishnah. Again, we're speaking still about the case where the Baal Hashoid entered someone else's property without permission. And the Mishnah gave an example, Nafal, that the person's ox that should not have been there fell into the boid of the Baal Hachatzer and the Hivish Meimav and it fouled the waters. So the din was, the Mishnah said, that chayiv, that the trespasser is chayiv to pay for the damages of the waters. So Amarava says, Ravam, Loishanu, the din that the Baal Hashayr is chayiv, is Elah, Shehivish, Bishas, Nefilam, that when the ox fell into the water, it immediately damaged the waters. So we're going to put this in the category of Shayr. There was, my ox fouled your waters directly, and by the category of shoir, I'm always chayef. Avol If the waters got fouled after a while, however you define that time, so the moment we don't view this as the shoir actively fouling the waters, but we look at it as something that happened, then it's no longer in the category of shoir. Now it should be in the category of boir. My ox sitting in the waters for a while, whatever that means, Eventually, the waters got dirtied. The moment it's in the category of bird, by bird we have the exception. That bird, the balha bird, is not high to pay for damages for kalim. How do you define kalim? Something that's a daimim, something that's inanimate. Waters are a daimim. Let's read it inside. Well, if it happened over a while, Pater. Why says Rabba? Because then, if it didn't happen immediately, this ox becomes like a bird. In other words, it's more like a passive type of damage, it happened by itself, the waters were fouled by the, by the ox, and Mayim have the category of Kalim, because they're both inanimate. And Veloi Motzino, Boer Shechayev Boer Sakalim, Gavaldik. Says the Gemara again, like we just had an Omer Aleph, 
That only works according to Shmuel that says, that whether you own an obstacle or not, whether it's yours or not, is even if you own it, it's still, be, it's still in the category of Boyd. But according to Rav that says, that Boyd is only that which you currently do not own. Here the Balashoid owns the Shoid. So it's never going to be in the category of Boyd. If it's not going to be in the category of Boyd, it's in the category of Shoid. Shoid is Chayv even for Kalim. My Yikalamim, why is Rav differentiating? Ella says the Gemara to clarify that itmer hachi itmer, what Rav really said was something different. That according to Rav, it doesn't matter if it happened immediately or not, as long as the water became fouled from the body of the ox. There, there is where we consider the bal hashoid, the active damager for which he's chayv to pay. But if the ox, let's say, died and the carcass begins to decompose and there is a stench that comes out of a decaying body and that stench is what fouled the waters over here, potter. And why is it potter? Not because it's boir versus shoir. Nothing to do with that. It has to do with another important rule. And the rule is going, taking a step back, the bigger picture, the very fact that if I don't damage, if only my property damages, the very fact that I'm chayef to pay is a chiddush. And it has to go into one of the categories of the, of the nizikin. However, the moment I am more removed from the damage, which means that my property didn't directly damage, it only caused damage, that's called grama benizakin. I only caused the damage, and true medina shamayim I'm chayef to pay, but the rule is, So the question is, how do we look at stench, at a, that smell? If stench is something that's mamashizdik, that belongs to me, the Bal HaShoyr, then my stench, or my animal stench, fouled the waters, that's Shoyr. But Rav is telling you a Chiddush, that stench is not something that belongs to the owner. Because it doesn't directly come from the body. It's not part of the body. We look at it as something that comes from the body. So it puts the owner of the shoid in a, in a step more removed from the damage. We only view this as him causing the damage. That's why he is spotted. My tama grama ba'almohu, which is a chiddush regarding stench. And grama... Is that assuming stench only happens later? No, no, no. Any stench... Not because... That's, that's the point. That stench, smell, because it's not my dick, it's not considered my mummin that was mazik. My mummin caused the waters to get ruined. The Gavaldike concept. And the Gramma Ba'alma, Loy Mechayev. Correct. Stench came about Very good. Later. Correct. Clear. Not now or later, which was the first Havamina. Now or later would mean normally Shoyer or Boyer. Later means, you know, it ha- Very good. Now, the Mishnah said, another example, that if again the Baal HaShoyed entered someone else's property, and the Shoyed jumped into a pit, and in the bottom of the pit, the Mishnah says, the father of the Baal HaShoyed was there, or the son of the Baal HaShoyed was there, and the Shoyed killed the person by jumping into the bar. So the Mishnah says that the Baal HaShoyed is, is, is obligated to pay the Kaifer. And now we have to go back to the whole parsha of Kaifer. Let's not forget that by Keren, even by Tam, meaning when an animal is mazik someone, and it actually killed someone, 
the shayir has to be put to death from the first time. Hashayir yisakal is even by a tam, but the obligation to pay kaif it is only after the animal becomes a muad. So ask the Yamada one second. If we're speaking about a case that the balashayir entered someone else's domain and jumped in a pit and killed his father or his son, the Mishnah says he's chayif to pay kaifer. Va'amai tamu. You know, the Habamina, why we think it's even a tam, because it's highly unlikely for an animal to become a muad by doing such an unusual thing. For an animal to go into a pit and to throw itself in there and kill a person on the bottom of the pit. So the Habamina is, wow, that was an unusual thing. It's probably the first time. But if it's the first or second time, the animal is still a tam. So Rav has to say, so he came along and Rav says, no, the animal is a muad. And what's the case? Bemuad lipal albani adam saskinen. And again, the Havamin of the Gemara is, is that this is an ox that when he sees a person on the bottom of a pit, has a Mishagas. It throws itself in there to kill the person. And it did it not once, twice, three times, now it's a Muad. So here the problem is, And let's read Rashi inside. Now really, we learned these sugyas before. We had this on that Mem Dalit, but we learned it quicker then. We were traveling. So let's read inside the Rashi. But just to, before we learn the Rashi, the Nukud is like this. That on Daf Mem Aleph, the Gemara asked a very practical question. How can an animal ever become a muad since the din of Asher Yisakal is after the first time? So the animal should have been killed after the first time. How did you even have a case where it killed two times or three times for it to become a muad? And the Gemara gave a couple of practical answers. This question is a very practical question. It's a technical question. We'll read the Rashi inside. That in such a scenario, where the ox became a muah to kill by jumping inside a pit, all of the scenarios that we gave before, for example, the animal ran away, it killed. Theoretically, you had to kill the ox, but it ran away. And before Bazin had a ch- time to catch the animal, it killed another person. Then it ran away. Then it killed another person. An animal can, ki- can run away if it's not confined in the bottom of a pit. When the ox jumps inside a pit to kill a person, the ox is stuck in the bottom of the pit. These are technical things. So whoever picked up the ox should have taken it to Bazin. Let's read inside Rashi quickly because he goes through all of the technical answers in the Gemara and he it says that it shouldn't work over here. Barket Allahu, the Rashi is more or less on the side of the Gemara, two or three lines above it. Rashi starts in the middle with the Divrei HaMaschal. Barket Allahu, the Benefila Kamaisa, it should have been killed after it jumped the first time. And the Heich Baladei Muad, how will it ever become a Muad? Bishlam Egab Muad, Bechlal is when an animal is a Muad because it's gored. Iklamemer, as we learned in the, you know, in the previous page, Kandaf Mem Aleph, one example was the Kotl Barak. It gored and it ran away. Inami, the other answer we gave there, was Bishayin Makir and Nesashayr. That people told the Baal Hashayr, one of your oxen killed a person. Bazin cannot kill an ox because they don't know which ox. But the owner of the herd is responsible now to guard his entire herd. Because he knows one of my oxen are Vildachaya. And, and then the din is taki, you become a muad. But here, you know the ox, it fell into the pit. You see it. Inami, the other answer is, who's that whole beautiful scenario that the two witnesses says it killed, then it became Zaymimim, and it happened a couple of times. So it says Rashi, in our case, the fact that the Shoyed killed a person by jumping, by throwing itself in the pit, the ox technically cannot get itself out of the pit. And therefore, you can't say that it escaped. Or you can't say that people don't know which ox did it. It's a very unusual thing, and everyone will recognize the ox when they take it out of the pit, and they'll know which is the ox. And even the example of there was Adam Zaymimim, and then the Adam Zaymimim themselves became proven to be liars. You don't have a case of Adam Zaymimim that are liars, and then fi- we don't have that. Why? Because the Nilsa, the Isle Kalahi, everyone will know about it. 
And there'll be many witnesses that will testify that this ox killed a person by jumping itself in the pit. So again, it's a practical, it's a technical question. No, oh, no, 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 no. The Havamina is, is that it did the Kavana. That's the key. So Ahmad Rabbi Yosef, so Rabbi Yosef therefore has to answer that it must be that the first times that it did it, it did not do it the Kavana to kill. And we learned the din that when an ox kills, Shuloi be Kavana, the ox is not put to death. Ahmad Rabbi Yosef, the Chaza Yeroikevanafal, that it killed unintentionally. What shot? That there were, there were greenery, there were vegetables growing out from the lip of the pit. And the animal, you know, Dafka wanted to eat those greens. And as it's bending over to eat it, it didn't do it to kill it. It fell inside. And here, there is no Hashari Yisakal. But one second. So there's a couple of things that have to be spoken out. First of all, you can't say that now that we clarified that really it's a case of shame. It was eating and it killed. You can't say that there would be Kreifer at the first time. This is important. This is reviewing many dinim. Because when an animal is trying to eat, that's called chain. If there wasn't Kavana Lahazik, anything that it does for its Hana'a is chain. Any other of the Avais, if it's Mishuna, we say it automatically becomes like Kerem So first and end, whenever you have Tam, there's no Kaifer. So for the Mishnah to say that he's Chayf to pay Kaifer, it means it happened three times. So that's number one. In order for it not to be Mishuna, but here's another problem. The other problem is like this. That we have Rav himself who said on Daf, I think it was on Daf Mem Dalid, that Machlekes Rav and Shmuel and Daf Mem Gimel Amit Beis, we had a Machlekes between Rabbah, Rishlokesh and Abiyechanon. Rav is of the opinion there that wherever there is no Chiv to kill the ox, there's automatically no Chiv Kaifer. So the problem is how can he be Machlekes here Kaifer if we're speaking about an ox that killed unintentionally and there is no hashardia circle, there should be no kaifer. So here we must say the following. This is very important. That when did Raf say that kaifer and hashardia circle are linked? That's only in the case of keren, kavanosei lahazik. That if an animal killed a few times, that was the case we had over there. It killed once and twice and thrice. Kavana to kill. Tam. And then on the fourth time it killed unintentionally, since when it became a muad, it did keren without kavana, there's no hashardi yisakel. There, Raf said that since there is no hashardi yisakel, there's no obligation for kaifer. Raf says, Pater mizeh, umizeh. Over here, that we're not speaking to begin with with an animal that killed with intention. From the beginning, there was never intention. The whole chiyav here has to do with shame. It's not keren. And Eina Hanami, again, it's not that the first time there would be a Chi of Kaifer. Unlike the case of Regal, because we learned on Dab Chavav that the Gemara says that if an animal is walking Kedarkoi and it tramples on an infant and it kills the infant, the Gemara says that you pay Kaifer at the first time. There also the Shoid is not put to death. Here you have to say it happened a few times because it's Mishuna, because it bent over a pit. But it's the same concept. The moment it's under the category of Shane, even Rav will not link Kaifer to killing the ox. Now, if that's the case, all I want to bring out, and if anyone has an answer, they, should, they can email it to rabbi at chabatsola.com, is that on daf mem gimel amid beis, daf mem dalad amid beis, the Gemara said, bringing a b'raisa, that was a kavasei dishmol to yufta darav, we found a b'raisa on daf mem dalad amid beis, look on top of the amid, where it says, chayiv b'kaifir upatan mimisam, and the Gemara used that to refute rav, here we have a gavaldikin answer. 
that even in Avaz Moida, that there is the case, which is our case, where you chayiv kaifer, even though you put him in Misa. Not in the case of Keren, in the case of Shane, or in the case of Regal. I don't understand why the Gemara couldn't answer that, but let's come back over here. So, that's the answer of Rabbi Yosef. Again, the Chaza Yeroikiv That's one answer. So here, from the beginning, there was never intention, never intention to kill. There was a Chiyub of Kaifir because it, it became unmishunadik because it repeated itself. And that's the din of the Mishnah. That's one answer. Shmuel gives another answer that Hamani Rabbi Yisiaglili. Why are you saying that the animal got away a couple of times? No. First of all, Rabbi Yisiaglili, who argues with the Tana Rabbi Yisiaglili holds that even when an animal does keren tam, you pay chatzik kaifer. So what was your question? How did the animal run away? Who said it ran away? It killed, it had kavana to kill, the father and the son. It jumped into the pit. It didn't run away. The shayt is going to be put to death. I, you asked that there is no kaifer by tam. There is, there is chatzik kaifer. And that's the Mishnah saying, you owe, you owe chatzik kaifer. Comes along Ula and he says, ooh, that's a great answer, but I'll take it to the next level. So Ula says, first of all, it's Rabbi Yisih Haglili. That holds that by tam there's chatzik kaifer. But let's not forget the Tana Rab Tarfin that we just learned uh, in the last year. What does Rab Tarfin hold? That when the Keren is Mazik, Bidashus Hanizak, the first time you pay Nezak Sholem. Since it happened in the Rishus Hanizak, he entered Shulay Bidashus. So instead of paying Chatzi Kaifer, you pay Kaifer Sholem even by Tam. This is great. So now the Gemara just asks a question, and, we, and we, we mentioned this when we learned the Mishnah. The question is, why did the Mishnah need to give an example that the Shoir who entered someone else's property, Shuloi Shus, and that person had a pit, and in the pit was that person's father or son, and the ox threw himself and killed the father and son, who cares if it was his father or son? Why is that Nageya? If it jumped in and killed anyone in there. Threk the Gemara, like this, according to Ula, According to Ula, that says that our Mishnah goes according to Rab Tarfin, and Chayiv Kaifer Shalom, but when do you have to pay Kaifer Shalom? When you did the damage, Bereshus Hanizak. Who would be the Nizak? Well, the Balabas didn't get damaged. But you can say that the father of the Balabas, the son of the Balabas, they have permission to be there. And the Shoir didn't. So that's called Rishus Hanizak. So it uses a person whose rights to be there are superior to the, to the Shoid who entered Shulay B'Rishus. But according to Shmuel's answer, that we don't even need Rab Tarfin, that the Mishnah only means Chatzin Ezek, Chatzin Ezek is even B'Rishus Anadim, then any person who would have gotten killed in the bottom of the pit, that's damaged, that's Keren, Tam, you killed, pay half a Kaifer. Even if that Acher had no permission to be there. So what? So it's, both of them had no permission to be there. It's like my ox goring a person in the Rishul Sarabim. Chatsi Nezek, Chatsi Kaifer, according to Rabbi Yisak Lili, I have to pay. So answers the Gemara, no, it's not a proof. Because it could be that Urcha Demil Sikatani, Enachanami, anyone in the pit who would have gotten killed would have obligated the Baal Hashar to pay Chatsi Kaifer, according to Rabbi Yisak Lili. But practically, who would be there? Why is someone in the bottom of a pit in your yard? Because he's your relative. Now, on all that, then the Mishnah says that if the Baal Hashar got permission to enter, and the ox 
and the ox damaged deer. And the Balachotzer's ox damaged my ox. Then the Balachotzer is Chayiv. Itmer, we learned regarding the Machloikas of the Chachamim and Rebbe, which is, when I ask permission to enter your property and you give me permission, does permission mean, like the Chachamim hold, that he's also undertaking Achrayas to watch over my things? As we spoke at was the civil law, Lahavdal here, if I enter your property and I trip on a face on something that's not good there, I can sue you. Or, Rebbe says, no, that giving permission to enter doesn't mean that the Balabas is also taking a chayis to watch over your things. All he says is, you have permission to enter, but you watch over your own things. So says the Gemara, says, and Shmuel Amar Elchasaked Rabbi. We learned in Abraisa. Look at this case that if a person says Knois Shorcha Vishamroi, the person clearly says you can bring your oxen to my property, but he tells him you guard it. So the din is Hizik. If the ox did damage in that property, Chayiv the Balashoyer is Chayiv because the Balashoyer was told. You have the right to enter, but you have to watch. You, the Balashur, have to watch your ox. Huzak, if the ox got damaged, then putter, meaning the Balabas is putter. Again, the Balabas clearly told him, you got to watch over your own things. However, what happens if the Baal HaChatzir tells him, you can come into my property, and he explicitly says, here like Rebbe, I will watch over your things. Here, who's like Chayiv? If it was damaged, the Balachatzer is Chayiv. And Hizik. And if the animal does damage, then Pater, the Balachatzer is Pater. So right away, the Gemara does classical, you know, every, the Reisha and the Seifa, if you infer in a case of Stama, you'll have a contradiction. Hagufa Kasha, Omrat, in the Reisha, where he tells him, bring your ox in, but you, the Bala you keep on watching your ox. There, the Mishnah says, Hizik, if the ox did damage, then Chayiv, the Bala is Chayiv. Huzak, if it got damaged, if something got damaged from the ox, if the, if the ox got damaged, then Pater, the Bala was a spotter. Time of the Amaloi Shamroi. And all of that is because the Bala Chatzar told him, you watch over your own things. That is why the Chayiv Bal Hashoyed Upater Bal which implies Hastama, meaning the case of our Mishnah, the Machlekes Rebbe and the Chachanim. If a person says you have permission to enter, but he didn't mention anything about guarding your property, then Chayiv Bal Kishitas Chachanim, that permission equates the Bal taking responsibility. So Chayiv Bal Upater Bal the Bistama, like the Chachanim, Mikabel Aleni Tirusa. Balabas giving permission is equal to, is just like, as if he told him explicitly, I'll watch over your things. Ema Seifa, there it's the opposite. When the Balabas tells him, only over there, because he explicitly told him, I'll guard it, that Huzak, if the ox got damaged, then Chayiv the Balabas. Hizik, if the ox did damage, then Pater the Balhashoyr. Again, time of the Amaleva and the It's only because the Balabas explicitly said it. Who the Machai Balachot said the Pater Balashot? Hastama, but if it would have been in a case again where he gives him permission and he doesn't mention anything about guarding the ox, Chayiv Balhashot, Upater Balachot said, 
Why? Because the Mistama, Mamish like Rebbe, When I give you permission to enter my property, it doesn't mean that I'm taking any sort of responsibility. So the question is, so Amar Abelazer, Abelazer says, Taka Tavra, you have a contradiction, a inherent contradiction. And therefore, Misha Shanazul, Shanazul. The Braisa put together two dinim, but really it was said by two different opinions. And the Reisha is the Chachamim, and the Seifa's Rebbe. However, Rav says, Kula Rabbanani. The whole Mishnah, the whole Braisa is the Rabbanan. That per, the, giving permission from Abalabas equates, means the Balabas is taking responsibility. The Balabas is only not responsible if he befadish says, I'm not responsible. However, Aida the Nasiv Reisha Shomroi, since the Reisha is dealing with a case where he told the ox, the Bal Hashar, you watch your ox, he told him befadish, I'm not watching it. So just for symmetric, it should be nice, it should have the same way of wording things, Tana Seifa, Va'ani Yashmerenu. So the main din is the din of the Reisha. Rav Papa says the opposite. Rav Papa says the whole Braisa is Rebbe. And here is the key, the Braisa, the Tan of the Braisa also holds that Keren Bechatzar Hanizik, Nezik Shalom Mishalom. And now it's not just about having a, a symmetry over here. It's much better. And therefore, now if we go by Rav Tarfan, which says that if it happened B'Rishus Hanizak, then you got to pay Nezik Shalom Hilkoch. When the Balabas tells the guest, you watch over your own ox. What does he mean by that? That's the case of the Reisha. He basically is telling him, He's telling the, the fact that he's telling the visitor, you're responsible over your own things. Basically, you have no rights to be here. If that's the case, If that's the case, if the Balashur's ox damages the Balachatzer's property, then we view the Balachatzer as an intruder, so to say. He had no rights to be there. The Balabas is the owner. So when the, when the Braises says in the Reisha that he's chayv, it means that he has to pay him Nezek Sholem, even by a case of Tam. However, if he did not tell him to guard it, and we're going to go with Rebbe, the Balabas is not responsible. But there's something else. Even though the Balabas is not responsible, but since he gave him permission to enter, he is no longer considered someone who did damage He also had permission to be there. And therefore it's like a Chatzar Ashutfim. And the Chiddush there is that if damage happened, Lerebi, the Balashoid is still Chayiv. But he's no longer chayiv to pay nezek shalom. Beautiful. The kerem chatzar ashutfim ain't a chayiv el nezek. And the whole brayso goes according to Rebbe. Now let's move on to the next mishnah. The next mishnah, and subsequently the sugi and daf memtes is based on a pasuk in mishpatim. We're still in peirik chav aleph. In pasuk chav beis, we learned a lot about this din previously. The pasuk there says v'chiyinatsu anashim. If two men are fighting, the Nagafu Ishahara and they accidentally strike a pregnant woman, the Yatsu Yilodeha, and she has a miscarriage. So then the Pasik says, if there was no calamity, and we already learned before that there's really a machlaikas as to who was not killed, 
let's learn the simple meaning, which is that the woman did not die. The woman didn't die. It's only that she lost her children. So the Pasuk says, Anoish ye anish, that the owner of the person who accidentally struck the woman is punished. Kashi yashis olav bal ho'ish v'nasan v'flilim. That how, what will be the punishment? That the husband, the bal ho'isha, as we learned, doesn't have to be a married husband. The, the one who was boil her, the father is the one that will force the basin to assess how much is the fetus worth. And v'nasan v'flilim, Rashi in Chumash Taichas v'flilim means al piha dayanim, that whatever number the dayanim give to the value of the fetus, that's the amount of money that the man has to pay to the husband, to the Baal Ha'isha, to the one who fathered the child. Okay, so says the Mishnah, If there was an ox that was trying to gore another ox, and the the ox is the one that accidentally struck the woman, and she, had a mis- and she miscarried, the din is, the Baal Ha'ashoyed is not high to pay for the fetus, and that's really, Rashi brings down, it's something that we learned on Daf Mem Beis. Really, there are two Lamudim. Rashi brings the Limud, because Rashi already saw ahead the Gemara on Daf Mem Tes. But we learned there are two exclusions. One exclusion is, it says, Rashi Dafka doesn't use this Limud, as we'll see soon in Mirza Shem, in next year in the Gemara. But there's another Limud, and the Limud was that whole sugya that we were learning. It says, Balashar Naki. And we had different Tanoim that learned different things. So Rabbi Yaisi Haglili learned Balashar Naki, that only the Balashar is Naki to play the Mevaladis. And that's the word that, we are, that Rashi brings down over here. The only thing Rashi points out is that the Mishnah uses this in a case where the Shoir was Mishaven to hit someone else. The Amos is that the Din, that the Baal HaShoir never pays for the loss of a fetus that his shard caused, is even if the shard intended to hurt a pregnant woman. There's no nafkamina whether he was mishaven or not. That's different than in the man. Because he, there, that was the whole thing we learned on Daf Mem, on Daf Mem Gimel, on Daf Mem Beis, the concept of that when two people are fighting and one person intends to kill the other, and if the Taka killed them, since the Chayv Misa, they won't have to pay for the damage of the fetus. So the concept of having Kavana or not having Kavana is only Negea V'chinotzo Anashim. So the Gemara is going to, Rashi brings out, the Gemara is going to tell you that this is Tafka Labdafka. That Shor Shoi Mishaven L'chaveri Labdafka. Even if the Shor was Mishaven to kill or to hurt a woman, and it killed a woman, God forbid. So, for that, there's a Chiyuv. You know, Chiyuv Koifer. In our case, for fetus, there is never a chiyuv to pay the mevelodis if the damage happens through an ox. Let's continue. On. Let's write it in the Mishnah. However, but if a man wanted to hit someone else, that's the case of the Pasik, and Reuven was trying to hit Shimon. Reuven missed Shimon. Reuven hit a woman. And Now the question of the Mishnah is, how do you evaluate the mevelodis? So Machlek is here Tanoim. So the Tanakhama says, As we learned on Daft Mem Zayin, that in many cases, you have a way of making an evaluation that is to the detriment of the damager, which would have been over here, you simply ask in the market, how much would a person pay when there is a slave woman who's pregnant? 
And even though that we hold that you can't make a king in on Dover Shaloi Bala'ilam, so we actually cannot make this king in. But if a person were to do it, how much would you pay for the fetus? That would be a way of assessing the value of a fetus. That would actually amount to a larger amount of money. The Tanakhama says you don't make that, that assessment. You look at a woman who's pregnant and you ask how much is she worth in a slave market because she's pregnant and how much is a slave woman who's not pregnant worth in the slave market. That is the difference between her being pregnant and her not being pregnant. That is the Demevalodis. Now there are many more details here as will Emir Tzashem speak out on next year just to give an intro. There is her being worth less because she's not pregnant. But then there's something else. When a woman is pregnant, she's more robust. She looks healthier. So she also has her own value. What about that? We'll address that in the Gemara. Then there's something else. Aside of the fact that she now lost her fetus and she's not as robust, she got a clop. She got hurt. So there's damage done to her. That, to say clear, damage is something that goes to the woman. Again, we'll speak out more details on Daf Memtes. We are focusing here only on the fetus. So the Tanakama holds, you don't assess the value of the fetus by himself. What you do is, how much was she worth pregnant? How much is she worth now that she's not pregnant? The difference is what you have to pay. argues with the Tanakama, Daf Memtes. And he says, If this is the way you make the assessment, when a woman gave birth, when a woman is no longer pregnant, her value increases. And I already give you a heads up that when a woman is pregnant for the first time, how lucky we are today that Baruch Hashem, because of God's wisdom that came to us and because of modern medicine, there are a lot, lot less fatalities when women give birth. Not that long ago, when a woman gave birth, there was a much higher rate of the woman dying. So a woman who was pregnant for the first time, the way it would work is that she would have less value in the slave market. Because buying a pregnant woman is a big risk. You might end up having her and a child, two slaves, but if she dies during childbirth, you'll have no one. So Rabbi Shemeng Amalil is telling the Chachamim that your way of assessing it, it will not only make the damager liable to pay a smaller amount of money, he'll be liable to pay no money. Because a woman is worth more money when she's not pregnant. Ella, how do we evaluate Like we mentioned before, we simply ask a, when a woman is pregnant, and if you were to sell the future slave, how much would a person pay? And a Hanabi. It could be that she'll die and he'll die in birth. But the person is not going to pay a full price of a baby. He'll pay much less than that. But whatever a person would pay when a woman is still pregnant to buy only the baby after it's born, that is the price of the fetus. That's the money that the owner of the, uh, of the person, the woman, hit Shimon, and he, and he accidentally killed the, the fetus. That's how much he has to pay to her husband. We don't look at the woman, how much you'll pay for the woman pregnant versus the woman not pregnant. Just the fetus. How much would you pay if there's a woman who's pregnant? And let's say she's pregnant for the first time. And therefore we know, let's say, 60% chance they won't survive. Or 60% they will survive. How much would you pay to own the fetus if the fetus ends up living? Whatever that is, you'll pay something. You're buying a future. No, a fetus, that's what I mean. A fetus means you're not buying it now. You're buying it if it's born alive. If you're buying, you buy a baby, whatever. A baby, no, there's no baby yet. Baby is worth a lot more money. 
Here you're not going to pay the price of a baby because the baby is not here. The baby might not be a baby, it might die. Right then, let's go. So now, now the Mishnah continues, and this statement goes both according to the Chachamim and according to the Pshem Ben Gamliel. That the, however you evaluate the Mevel others, this is important, the Noisn Labal, it goes to the owner. And this is something as we learned before in Dafmem Gimel, when it says, Kashid Yoshis Olaf Baal Ha'isha. The fact that the Torah says that the Baal Ha'isha is the one that forces this assessment to be made, he's the one that gets the money. She gets no money of that. And the im ain't labal. What happens if she has no husband? Because the husband passed away, so it goes to his heirs. And the final case of the Mishnah, if she was a shivcha and she just now got freed, which means she has a din of a giyotis, and the key is not that much her being the giyotis, but common, as Rashi says, was that such a woman would to marry an evid that just got redeemed. Because they have the same yichus status. The point is, is that if her husband is a ger, now if a ger, after he becomes a ger, has children, the children are his halachic heirs. But if a person who just converted, then passed away, that will be a person that has no yarshim. Or if she was a geyotis, again Rashi says, that married a ger. And the point is, is that they had no children, the ger had no children after he became a ger. So there are no heirs. So now the question is, who does the money go to? So the money is not owed to her. The money is owed to the husband. The husband died, the, the husband has no heirs. So the mazik, so the din is all of the property of a ger who dies without heirs becomes automatically hefker. Who gets it? The first one that seizes it. So we say the mazik is the one that seized it. The mazik owes the money. But he owes the money to whom? To someone whose possessions is hefker. So it's as if he's giving it from his right pocket to his left pocket and therefore he's going to be potter. And Emirates Hashem will start in the next year with the Gemara of this Mishnah.